This is Andy, and welcome to the newest season of the podcast. We're so excited to be sharing some incredible behavioral therapy programs for you to learn about. And whether you're just interested in learning and getting educated, or whether you're actually evaluating some programs, this should truly be an interesting, inspirational, educational season. So if you have any questions, feel free, as always, to reach out to me at Andy at We'd really appreciate it if you gave us a good review on Apple Podcasts so it could reach more people. And sit back and enjoy. Hi, this is Andy, and welcome to the newest episode of the Wilderness Therapy and Residential Treatment Journey podcast. Last episode, we spoke with Clint Dorney and Shelly Thomas from Discovery Ranch for Boys and Sarah Yardley from Discovery Ranch for Girls. These two Utah-based residential treatment center programs do a great job focusing on experiential learning. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, I recommend tuning in. Our guest today is Susie Courtney. She is the Engaging and Enthusiastic Admissions Director at Spring Ridge Academy which is a therapeutic boarding school for teenage girls located in Arizona. What makes Spring Ridge Academy different from other therapeutic boarding schools is their unique approach to therapeutic, academic, social, and physical needs of each student and family. Through therapy, education, and supportive peer culture, they have created a community that fosters connection and growth. We will dig into that a little bit. But I wanted to tell you, I wanted to connect with Susie for two reasons. First. She represents a unique program that I want to introduce to our listeners. Um, she and her colleagues offer a unique approach that works for teenage girls that will educate and inspire you today. And then second, I unabashedly appreciate Susie's fandom of this podcast. She actually reached out to me and said she really enjoys the podcast and has shared it with parents at Spring Ridge Academy as an additional resource for them. I have to tell you all, that made me really happy is this is why I started doing the podcast in the first place. That is to be a resource and an inspiration to parents who are struggling with their children's growth and progress. So thank you for your support, Susie, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's, I'm looking forward to our time together today. I'm a, I'm a silent stalker of your podcast. And so I probably won't listen to myself talk, but I can't wait to see future, hear future episodes. Sounds good. I don't like my own voice sometimes too. Um, so let's jump in today. Want to get to know a little bit about you and your background, if you can share your journey to get uh, where you are as the admissions director at Spring Ridge. Well, currently, Andy, I'm the executive director. I have been the admissions director in the past. I have served many roles at Spring Ridge beginning back uh, to the early 2000s where um, I started fresh out of undergraduate uh, work, working in the dorm in a direct care capacity in a supervisor capacity uh, eons ago um, after spending a good bit of time doing some uh, adventure-based programming, uh, both recreational and therapeutic. Um, now at the time, we're talking the late, mid to late 90s, 
the world of therapeutic wilderness looked very, very different and wasn't nearly as clinically evolved as it is now. So true. But, right, so true, just like anything. Um, but knew that uh, I wanted to continue working with young people in a capacity that let me spend more time in a home and less time in, a in the field. So I wandered upon Spring Ridge Academy. And in, in those days, we found jobs in the newspaper. I, I'm sure you can remember those days. Um, and uh, over the years, worked in many capacities um, at Spring Ridge. One of my favorite capacities was working as a, a parent liaison, where I really supported all parents um, who had a child at Spring Ridge. Uh, and then evolved into admissions. Um, at the same time, I married uh, the son of the founder of the school. And over the last 10 years, my husband and I uh, took over Spring Ridge from our founder, where I've been serving as executive director for a handful of years and am very passionate about reaching so many families in need, which is why I'm such a fan of yours. What a great story and what a great way to get uh, into the business and be a part of the business and take over the business. I love it. So uh, tell me a little bit about your program. Describe what Spring Ridge Academy is all about. So Spring Ridge Academy serves young people, uh, adolescent uh, females and their families. Many of our families come to us after lots of attempts at intervention at home and maybe even out of the home, right? So outpatient therapy, maybe some short-term residential or hospitalization. So over time, knowing that that's the student and family we serve, we have continuously evolved in our modalities and practices to think about how can we be as effective as possible? And we know that two things are true about effectiveness. Having a very involved family system that embraces change and improvement and the role of practice, both at Spring Ridge Academy and outside of Spring Ridge for our young people and the families. Those two components are paramount. While, while doing those, those two very important pieces, we also look to have a large variety of therapeutic modalities that reach below the cognitive arena therapeutically. Certainly our clinicians practice some cognitive therapy, but using some brain and body-based techniques, our young people come to us with anxiety, depression, they're struggling to navigate the world and function in a way that's age appropriate. We know that a lot of that is seated in an inability to regulate one's own emotions or nervous system. So utilizing therapeutic modalities that address the source of the dysregulation, one could call it trauma um, or just a disrupted nervous system and emotional regulatory system, we find to be very effective. So we're employing techniques that are somatic, so body-based, we're employing EMDR, we're employing other techniques that are experiential in nature, such as art, psychodrama, uh, sand tray. Again, 
connecting deeper into the parts of the brain and the body. And at the same time, offering young people and families opportunities to actualize the change that's occurring therapeutically, right? Again, knowing what happens when we're dysregulated and we've had struggles with anxiety and depression and, and managing uh, responsibilities that are age appropriate and, and healthy, that typically we have a lot of uh, uh, beliefs associated with my lack of capacity or ability. And we wanna reshape those in addition to just managing healthier behavior. So families are asked to really practice engaging in a way that's deeper and more trusting so that students and their families can be successful long-term. That the families are the primary source of mentorship, guidance, and support as our young people build lives outside of Spring Ridge um, that are age appropriate with peers and with uh, other responsibilities like school or engagements in um, sports or whatever area of passion, whether it's politics or yearbook or journalism, uh, so, that, so that young people and families really feel prepared for the next stages of life. Excellent. So I, I speak with other practitioners who talk about their different forms of therapy. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I found unique about your approach was talking about practicing. Can, can you go a little deeper in terms of how you um, embrace that, how you fortify that, how you ensure that both the children and the families are really, um, you know, practicing what they've learned so that they can sustain uh, a better future? Absolutely. So my, my favorite saying is practice makes permanent, right? So if we think about that, when we think about how do we gauge therapeutic change? It's, a, it's an interesting question. The, the work that we're doing is insight driven, right? So we're thinking of deeper and more internal shifts so that we see evidence that young people and families are trusting themselves more, trusting themselves to relate in a way that's more authentic and genuine, that they're showing a capacity to take age-appropriate risks, healthy age-appropriate risks, that they're, they're beginning to feel competent and confident in different arenas of their life, and that they're feeling connected to their sense of self and others in a way that's more genuine. And so we look to see actionable evidence of that. So we look in the classroom for that to build over time, for young people to, to share their opinion, regardless of what someone else in the class might say. We look for families to be able to navigate difficulty or conflict in a different way, certainly while giving them skills and, and ways to do that, but, but allowing the process to at times be difficult and be okay working through it with support. To have a capacity to have mistake, to make mistakes and to rebound, that's evidence of resilience, right? Absolutely. So, so if I don't learn how to make mistakes while I'm in treatment, how am I gonna know how to make mistakes when I'm out of treatment? Right, dealing As with adversity. 
dealing with the struggle. I, a dear uh, colleague of mine used to say the strength is in the struggle. Sure. Well, that's where the strength is built. And so we're setting families up with lots of support. We're doing deep and in intensive family therapy work. And then out of that comes goals for visits that occur on a monthly basis throughout the enrollment at Spring Ridge so that we can set opportunities to outside of Spring Ridge handle situations in a different way with support. Of course, we're always available. When it, when it evolves, maybe, maybe it's around tough discussions, right? To start dipping your toe in those outside of therapy, to set structure and boundaries in a way that is age appropriate and, and, you know, Andy, I'm sure you've talked to lots of parents where, you know, one parent is a little bit of the, um, maybe a, a firmer boundary keeper in the family and, and one parent does the relationship really well. So we have opportunities where we can balance those roles better yeah. so that everyone has an opportunity to relate while managing boundary systems that support everyone's health and well-being. Um, so, so those are just some really small examples. As we progress further in the program, it's really paramount that on the fourth stage that our young people have opportunities to re-engage with peers outside of treatment with our support and guidance with the family in a way that helps them slowly dip their toe into practicing what responsibilities do I need to manage at the next stage of my life after treatment, whether that's another high school or college living. And so we're able to practice all of that and build it slowly so that my, my expansion um, and my bandwidth for managing the demands of life increases over time while there's still a lot of support for the young person and the family. Social media can be very um, tough to adjust to while the young people are very much looking forward to it. It's very overwhelming it to is. be inundated. It is. And just so you know, um, practice does make permanent. I like that. And, uh, and in my relationship, I was the firm parent. My, my wife was the relational parent. And I do see that frequently with parents for sure. Um, so thanks for sharing all about that practicing, putting it into play is really what, what drives the, the struggle and the outcome. Um, I know that you mentioned and have on your website and we've discussed it, these four phases of the journey. Can you, can you explain what that is a little bit more for our listeners? Absolutely. So, and again, the four stages are built on markers that indicate emotional regulation increased skill and um, an ability to manage multiple demands of life. They're, the four stages are not a behavioral based or token based system where you earn things. That's, that's not the mindset. It's more of a developmental model. Now, can you, can you list the four so that people have an understanding of what the four items are and then, and then, jump into them so that they can see what each one is? Sure. So the, the four stages begin with orientation. Students coming to Spring Ridge more than not have had some other intervention prior. It's not 
necessary for that to happen, but that's that's fairly common. So the first stage is really the most basic. It's about orienting the family and the student to Spring Ridge, getting engaged therapeutically, academically, socially, uh, understanding the lay of the land. That is typically the shortest phase as well because the purpose is just orienting. The second stage is foundations and consistency. We're doing work where students will begin to have a slower chain of events between thoughts, feelings, and behavior. We're slowing down that process, again, emotional regulation, so that the insight about the interconnectedness of those, those chain reactions in whichever order they occur are slower. I'm willing to try on new solution. I may not have all the solution myself, I'm more flexible and open in relationships and in my thinking. I'm more adaptive. I've got a pattern to manage daily life, right? Some of our young people struggle to manage responsibilities more than some. And I, I'm engaged in a routine that supports health and wellness and in me practicing being complete more than not, right? Again, treatment has no room for perfection. Right. Compliance is only short term. Compliance should never be the long term goal. The third stage is or integration, where students are going home monthly. We're reintegrating back into the family. I'm taking on more charge and responsibility as a young person for my day to day routine and time management. I am setting more structure to my daily routine and um, able to signal my needs and my need for help or guidance in a way that is more driven internally. My internal motivation is beginning to show because I'm much more in touch with my sense of self and trusting myself. And my family's feeling more confident and competent because we're all practicing back in the home to, to get back into a rhythm. And then on the fourth stage, which is transition, we're building in life outside of Spring Ridge outside of the family while still prioritizing the relationships in the family over the peer relationships. I'm reintegrating peer relationships in real time and virtually with social media. I'm engaging in extracurricular types of experiences at home that will bring me friendships, joy, passion, connection. I'm setting up the home team whether it's at college or literally at home for family therapy, individual therapy. And that way, while I'm finishing out at Spring Ridge, my home team is established and practiced. So the bridge is built while still in treatment. It's not a theoretic plan that's put into place for after. Great. So orientation, consistency, integration, and transition four key phases to, to the success at Spring Ridge. So I, I don't know if we were clear or I was clear up front, but the you you serve teenage girls, right? So it's yeah. right. So it's not boys. Um, we talked about this, but can you can you share um, why the focus on uh, the female gender as opposed to the male or co-ed or uh, and why it works at Spring Ridge? Absolutely. So 
What we know to be true is our young people digging into this deeper and intense therapeutic work need to have not as many distractions as co-ed environment may offer. And when I say distraction, I don't mean attraction distraction. I find that our population tends to compare themselves. They tend to wonder about what someone else may want from them rather than what they truly think and feel. Over time, what we've seen in research is that boys would do okay in a co-ed environment. Girls default to the boys. Interesting. And so, right? And so if you um, ever uh, read Leonard Sachs, he's, he does a lot with um, more standard gender types, male, female, in some of his research and has extensive research out of a lot of education, but dipping a little bit more developmentally and emotionally. And so we also have a student body that has experienced a high degree of trauma. Both we think about it as small T traumas and big T traumas. And, um, and that work can be very vulnerable. And we find that offering an environment where we're able to really help our students relate in a way that's deep and vulnerable, has room for independent thought and still regard for relationship and regard for me being a primary person in relationship. Many of our students have defaulted their own needs to others' needs in the relationship on a peer perspective. It may have looked different in the family. Right. And so another another form of attachment. Exactly. Exactly. And so developmentally, adolescent job is to form an identity based in worth, worth and value. And so we want them to be able to practice their own worth and value in a way that allows them to explore and and really build that by trial and error, learning how to really have a very close friend that has room for disagreement is a little bit of a lost art in our culture. Excellent. Um, I'm always an advocate of focusing on what you do best and whom you want to serve. And your uh, focus on serving teenage girls is certainly effective in that way. Um, so uh, can you provide the listeners and me um, both kind of a day in the life of a, of a student with, with you and also um, a success story, an idea of, you know, somebody who may have come into your program with trauma and other challenges and, and what all of those phases and, and methodologies that you use and, and what the outcome could be. Absolutely. So, a day of the life um, on a school day, students um, have some exercise and daily living skills before school. What we know to be true is, is that exercise, routine healthy nutrition, and routine regular sleep really helps the brain to grow and heal. And when we think about some of the needs our students come to us with, 
whether it's executive functioning needs, anxiety, depression, mood disorders, ADHD, we look at it as an opportunity to increase brain growth and maturity. So starting the day with some exercise is a good recipe to waking up, preparing for learning, and has the byproduct of helping the brain. A school day goes from roughly 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We have three classes a day. We're on a rotating block that offers classes to be longer and teachers are really getting creative in modalities. And the classroom itself is a learning community and we wanna do a lot of connecting and, and exploring and getting really creative in uh, experiential delivery of academics. After school every day for about an hour and a half is group work, whether it's a milieu therapy um, or clinically based group therapy. After that, there's some downtime, dinner. The evening, there's a little bit more downtime. On an, on an academic night, there's a, there's a chunk of structured study time. Again, the practice of doing some independent coursework uh, or homework or studying is really important in helping to prepare our students for the next academic step, whether that's high school or, it, you know, certainly if they're interested, they are college bound if they want to be. Um, practicing that independent skill is really important. There's then some downtime and kind of some quiet time before we're starting to shift for the evening to, um, to lights out to get really good sleep so we can do it again. And our weekends have uh, recreational programming so that we're expanding the young people's areas of passion, uh, ways they can find communities outside of Spring Ridge, whether that's um, hiking or uh, paddleboarding and kayaking or ceramics or self-defense. We have a variety of different activities students engage in on the weekends um, so that they have also a good bit of fun. Excellent. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. And could you share a success story? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I can think of many off the top of my head and specifically this time of year, one of my favorite things is to receive those graduation announcements that people send out with the photographs. And so I think of one that I received from a, a young person um, who uh, left, uh, transitioned from Spring Ridge little more than a year ago. And when she came to us, she was anxious. She uh, was having a hard time going to school. Her family relationships were very chaotic. Um, conflict was their source of connection now because uh, it was just so tense and tough to get her engaged. Um, and she had, you know, really uh, done away with a lot of the things that brought her passion, including her academics, which you know, for in grade school was was her her main focus and area of of, of real confidence and competence, and um, she was able to do some really difficult work and transitioned slowly. The family was you know like many families I'm sure you speak to were struggling over what kind of school would she finish her senior year of high school with and you know what was the best fit and this uh, our the student was able to advocate for herself she was able to do a couple of different tours she was able to actually decide on what 
academic curriculum as well as extracurricular uh, curriculum. She um, she joined a um, culturally driven uh, dance troupe in her community, something that she reconnected with while at Spring Ridge. And we just received her high school graduation announcement with an announcement of where she's heading off to college next year. And uh, just felt so excited. She also, over this process, started a nonprofit to help other girls who had experienced difficulty in loving themselves. All this during her senior year. Excellent. So seeing that transformation is what makes it all worth it, huh? So I, I did note that you're, you have a cultural aspect to your program. So there is dance, there is athletics, there is art, other things for people to bring out those creative juices, right? How large is Absolutely. your program in terms of size? So our capacity could be up into the 60s. We tend to float around 50 more. Um, but you know, campus is 26 acres. So we really, the, the, the physical plant feels like a more of an open space campus. Of course, we have a lot more mentorship, supervision and guidance than a typical boarding school, more of a residential treatment center, but we have a sand volleyball court, two dorms, a cafeteria, soccer field, an art and dance studio. So campus is a little bit of a broader kind of sprawling campus. Outstanding. Okay. Um, where can people find out more about Spring Ridge Academy as we kind of wrap up? Absolutely. So our website, which is springridgeacademy.com is very comprehensive. You can find testimonials and video clips as well as some content. You can also find phone number to call us, set up a tour, come visit. We love now that we're able to have visitors. We love to have people visit campus and, and really get a, that third dimensional feel of campus. Well, one of the things I really love about speaking with folks like yourself is just the passion about serving the community and the passion about their programs. And it certainly comes out in, in the way that you articulate everything about Spring Ridge Academy. Selfishly, um, before we finish, I just wanted to ask where, where um, when you speak to parents or share this podcast with them, where do you think the most value is so that the listeners today can, can hear your uh, feeling about this podcast? So I, I think the gift that this podcast gives so many is the gift of them not being alone. There's so many families that have walked this struggle that feel anxious, scared, traumatized, and in turn alone. And they need more people offering them support, offering them the story of how they walk down this road. Uh, because I, unfortunately, I think our parents do at times fear the stigma of having mental health needs in their family. And my hope is that more brave parents sharing like you help to rid that. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, that's, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we felt that stigma. We also felt that we didn't know where to turn and we felt like there was no voice behind it. So having experts like you come on to share their warmth, their solutions, 
their stories, their understanding uh, makes such a difference and is so appreciated. So and offering, I think too, offering a reliable source of information about your know, treatment can be safe and effective. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Susie. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Andy. I look forward to maybe meeting you in person. You bet. Thanks for listening and supporting this podcast. Next episode, we will speak with Sheldon Nelson, who is the president of Crossroads Discovery. He runs a program also in Arizona that helps adolescents through outdoor living skills. His programs are shorter in duration than typical wilderness therapy, so they're less costly, yet still have a strong impact on struggling teens. I hope you will join me next time. In the meantime, as always, parents, remember, take care of your children and empower yourself with information at Parents' Journey.